Ah, hello relatives. Today we are having an amazing conversation on the impact Native women have had in our lives and the importance of having Native women in our leadership. Samantha Reyes, thank you for joining us. I wanted to get started by asking you to please introduce yourself and tell us what you'd like us to know about you. All right. Uh, my name is Samantha Reyes. I am an enrolled member in the Turtle Mountain Chippewa tribe. Um, I'm also a descendant of Salish Kootenai Flathead, and I am also Mexican-American. Um, I went to Washington State University, and I graduated from there in the spring of 2019. Um, in my time there, I was really active within the Native community, getting to know who I was as a person, reconnecting to like my Native side, and uh, what that meant to me being like an Indigenous woman. Can you tell me a bit about the leadership roles you held, who guided you in those roles, and how that has shaped you um, as an as an individual? Yeah, so my first ever kind of like paid <laughs> leadership role was I was chair of the Coalition of Women Students my senior year. So the Coalition for Women Students was comprised at the time of six different organizations, uh, a lot of them pertaining to women of color. So there was NALA, um, there's a Black Women's Caucus, um, there's a Young Women's Christian Association, uh, the Association of Pacific and Asian Women, uh, Mujeres Unidas, which is United Women, also one called Cupaca for uh, queer people of color, and Men for Social Change was in there as well. So a lot of uh, key components to be able to advocate for contemporary issues surrounding majority women of color or just women in general. Uh, so my role as chair is I was like kind of like a key supervisor for all of the organizations. Um, it really give, gave me a lot of like sense of what leadership meant, not only for my own community, but for all communities. I think that intersectionality is a huge thing for me. So having people, you know, if you were like a queer indigenous woman, you could be able to like collaborate with like Kupaka, you know, and Nawa, things like that. Or like, if you saw yourself from multiple like racial backgrounds, you're able to like see these organizations kind of come together and be a part of each one. Um, I think that, collaboration is really powerful, especially within communities of color uh, and just underrepresented communities together, just because we're all fighting the, like an oppressive system. So uh, with us coming together and doing the work together, it helps each other out, but also like we're able to, you know, market more, advocate more, raise more awareness into what we want. No doubt that you've done a lot of incredible work and that the experiences and the guidance of many strong women have led you into the work that you do today. Can you tell us a bit more about some of the Native women who inspire you? Yeah, so actually um, my career goal now and like what I work in is student affairs. Uh, the experience that I got during that time is really what made me want to look into student affairs. The director of the Women's Center which is where the coalition was kind of under and Amy Sharp. Um, she's really someone who motivated me and showed me like what working in like uh, universities and just like different organizations can do for students, how to be able to motivate, advocate and just create a safe place for students. Um, that was really kind of where my passion came from. She's kind of the one that showed me that that could be like a career path for me. And that's exactly kind of what I went into. So um, yeah, I was really, really blessed to be under like her leadership as well as um, Faith Price, who was the director of, you know, Native American Student Center. Um, growing up and stuff, I'd never really seen 
um, other like Native women in roles like that. And I think just with her, like it wasn't even just us being part of the organizations or us, you know, being part of the Native Center. It was like a lot more to that because she really had like that nurturing hand to create community. So it's like she she feels like you're your family and like she genuinely cares about how you are and how you're doing and I think that that is also what made a difference it gave me that um your professionalism and the way that you lead doesn't have to always look how we always think of it to look so we always think of it as like leaders to be you know just straight like strong kind of emotionalist um and just like you get things done. I think that faith showed that you can be, you can get things done. You can be a strong person as well as having a lot of humility and a lot of like personable characteristics to be able to have make the people who you're leading feel like, you know, they're really a part of something. And I think that that's also very important because at the end of the day, like we were like really like young activists and um, young advocates for a lot of things that, you know, we were fighting for. And at the end of the day, like you want to feel like you're a part of something, you know, that's why people get involved. Like, that's why people put in, like, that's why it's a passion for them, because they feel like they're involved in something bigger than themselves. And I think that Faith was so good at enacting that feeling within us, because she truly, like, believed in that as well, you know. She came from very similar backgrounds to us. Um, She shared, you know, an identity with us, and she showed us that, like, humility can be, like, the number one core component of what drives our passion, you know, and drives our passion for like community or like advocacy or like social justice. And I think that she was a really great example of that. Just in the fact of like, yeah, she like helped us with our classes and got on us about our grades, but she also like cooked this dinner, you know, or like opened her house to us. And like, yeah, she was just a really prime example of that for me. So I think those two was really like career-wise, they're what I strive to be. Uh, you had mentioned the leadership styles of the Native women who have impacted your success as a young adult. For example, Faith seems like she utilizes an Indigenous approach to leadership, and that difference can mean so much to younger generations coming in. Um, why Why is Indigenous leadership so valuable? I think, yeah, I think that she... Even if it was unten- unintentional, I think that she really had like a decolonized indigenous approach within the way that she like created community, the way that she led. Yeah. Um, just because it was very intentional, though, at the same time, like you're yeah. in the Native Students uh, Center, you have Native American students coming from all over the U.S. to come to college for the very mm-hmm. first time. And it can be a very um, culture shock. It can be very very big culture shock for a lot of students. So to provide a community where students can feel safe, um, whether it be dinners, whether it be uh, cultural workshops, whether it be being involved in uh, event planning for powwows or for round dances, like creating that environment was very important. And I think Faith did a very good job in ensuring that all students felt safe. And it's one of those things where, um, like you said earlier, it's more like she was, she was a professional, but she was also an auntie that you could go to. Yeah. And I think that's really important for women in leadership um, within our communities. Uh, well, it's not, I guess it's not very important. It's just very valuable to the people um, who look up to them or the people that are, I don't want to say benefiting from that type of 
care, but like in a sense, you know, those of us who are looking toward that leadership. Yeah. And so I think that's a really great example of someone using um, indigenous methods to, instead of just like you said earlier, it being a set standard or way that we see it being done outside of our communities. A lot of what we see can just be very like Western ideals of what things are supposed to look like and people get stuck in that status quo. I think that when you kind of like get back to an idea of decolonizing and kind of getting rid of those Western ideals and those like standards, things get a lot more personal. You know what I mean? Um, I think that with faith, yeah, like she would cook his dinner and she would also tell us to get our stuff in time, you know? So it's like, she had a very good balance. Cause I think that people kind of look at natives and they look at us a lot of the times as like homogenous. They don't really see that we're from different regions. We have different cultural like activities. We have, you know, a lot of different cultural meanings. And I really like that faith represented a lot more than just like, cause we were on the plateau, but like we didn't only do things that were specific to like plateau natives and like other students, like how we had other students from who were like coastal and they brought in like cedar weaving, you know? And like, if you ever had like a passion or something where you did something within like your community, faith kind of always gave you a spot to be able to kind of like teach that to others as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it was always open as well. Like, I mean, as you know, like we have a lot of friends who aren't even native, but we met them through the native center. And I think for me, as somebody who was like reconnecting, it just opened up like such a home and it helped me like explore. And like, we got to, yeah, do a lot of different like cultural activities. Like, I mean, my moccasins never got done, but I had a great time <laughs> in every workshop. Um, and uh, yeah, but I don't know, she just, she was always progressing to like get us the representation that we needed. She was always progressing to get us the things that we needed um, because it was also hard being a part of like an institution still, um, still being underrepresented, still being like underfunded, uh, still having to deal with budget cuts, you know, um, but Faith, she tried her hardest to always get us what we needed as well so I think she was also just an advocate in like the bigger picture of things within an institution and um as I'm seeing being part of you know institutions now like that's a hard thing to do um and yeah I think that we were really blessed to have her because she was a real advocate for the people man <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I know that Faith is one of the people who really helped you in college and you have a lot of amazing characteristics and I wanted to know who are some of the women that you look up to or have had an impact on your life. I know that we, we kind of get asked those things a lot and I never understood like do this because of this person, you know, until I had seen this TikTok trend. <laughs> it was talking about like, uh, like you being like a mosaic you know, I do this because my mom would do this. And I do this because, you know, my auntie would do this. And it's like things that you subconsciously do and that you don't even like realize you're doing them and you do them because of certain people and their influence in your life. That's how I started thinking more about that. Like I'm a mosaic of all the people around me, you know, because they kind of influence my life in one way or another. I think my mom would be definitely be a native woman that I look up to a lot just because 
like she she's dealt with trauma like throughout her life and she's still um a person of support for me so whether it be um you know emotional support it just like you know just being around she's always there so I think that's like a special thing about moms though is that they're always there so um I really appreciate like just how much she was able to overcome I know that like I talk about it a lot but like my mom's generation is like a generation of like surviving so they're just like trying to get through it survive and like I don't know kind of hope for like a better future for their kids even at the end of the day like with everything that she had dealt with with everything that she had endured like I couldn't imagine I was able to go to college I was able to like be in a career now that I am in because her survival techniques and like her sacrifices and along with my dad too but I like, it's women's history month so <laughs> I'm like let's talk about my mom you know, whether she knew that, like, it was going to be so impactful or not, like, her decisions really got me to where I am. Thank you for sharing that so much. Um, Our moms have really done their best to make sure we have all the tools that they've had, and then created um, some just along the way to pass down to us to make sure we have the best chance um, at success and joy. I wanted to also ask you about how representation and if representation has affected you as we have seen more and more natives representing us in a- yeah i think um like res dogs is a really great one just because of i think the youth component to it um i think that within like like seeing those like young women you know and like being able to relate as other young women but i think that also just like with their experiences of like just like trauma within their family and wanting to like do things for yourself and having that component of like do I stay here because like you're seeing your parents you're seeing like you know what they deal with you like don't want to be selfish and leave them or do you be selfish and leave them because you know like like you have trauma as well you know I think that seeing like young women go through that like internal struggle and you know, I'm like, spoiler alert, (laughs) seeing one of them actually leave, you know, so um, I connected a lot that a lot with that, just with like my journey going to college, you know, like of leaving like my parents just because and like with my siblings and everything else, like um, just I was the first one to leave. So it was a lot. And I feel like it's a huge struggle that people don't really talk about of like, what do you do when you leave, you know? And like the, like not only internal struggle of like, I'm being selfish and like, I'm not there helping as much as I could be, but also just like, is, is what I'm doing now really, is it worth it? Am I gonna make something of myself by doing this? Or like, is it gonna be a waste, you know? I think that that was really hard. And like, you know, you're going and getting an education and like seeing like, you know, seeing some of my report cards, no, but like if I, I would do bad in an assignment or like an exam and stuff and I would really like second guess myself, like, why am I here? You know, like I'm away from my family. I'm not helping them. I'm not, you know, being there for like my siblings or whatever it may be for what, you know, so at the end of the day, I think that it was hard because we've always 
along with like the idea of community, I think we also get like this um, sort of like pressuring feeling of community. Like we need to do right by other people. Um, we need to be able to be successful for other people. And I feel like a lot of times we forget about ourselves, you know, like what is like our main goal with doing this? Like, are we going to find our own happiness with doing this? Um, and like, what do we want in life? You know, because I feel like we're never really given space a lot of the time to think about like what we really want in life until, well, at least for me, until I left, until I went to college. And then I was able to really kind of format of like, you know, my family is going to be proud of me, whatever I'm doing. And I think I alleviated a lot of the pressures of that for myself, just because it's like, at the end of the day, like, they're going to be proud of me. They're just happy I'm there, you know? And it's like, I don't know why I created such struggle in my mind, you know, but, um, but like people do that and like, it's okay. But I think wrapping around to the, as long as you're doing what's happy for you. And as long as, you know, you're healing in the way that you need to, it's going to be okay, you know? Um, and I think that that's really hard. And I feel like that that's like true, like representation. That's what I got from the show, you know? So, uh, but when you have people who in every aspect of something is from like what you're trying to represent, right? So like the actor, the writer, the like director, or, like being indigenous, um, I think that things come off a lot more genuine. I think that people are able to like own a story that they resonate with or that they may have experienced as well, rather than like writing a story and trying to portray a certain narrative that they might not have any idea of. You know, I think that that's really like where like the term like representation matters kind of like comes from is because these are real life experiences by real people that we either are or that we may know. You know, so I think that that's why it's so important. And then I think when you have like a satirical kind of like comedic relief show, like Rutherford Falls, um, it's like, yeah, you can laugh at like Ed, Ed um, Helms and like be like, get all angry. Cause you know, <laughs> that's his character. You know what I mean? Like he's there to, he's put in there for like a satirical reason of like being ignorant and like really thinking, Hey, really thinking his great, great granddaddy discovered that land. But, um, I think that they do a really good job of like being satirical in that way. I think that he, like Ed Helms does a really good job of just like being an actor <laughs> and like, trying to really portray it off of like yeah a lot of people don't know history a lot of people um have played into this whole idea of there was no one here <laughs> or they you know gave up their land real nice <laughs> and you know we didn't <laughs> so um but I think with satire and with comedy in that show it it's easier to digest um because, you know, you can laugh about it and stuff. At the end of the day, you can also get real mad because those are real issues. I remember this one scene um, in Rutherford Falls of, like, people are going into the casino. And they have, like, a cultural center. But it's just, like, a little gift shop kind of thing in the casino. So they have all those artifacts, you know, separated out. And they have, like, little plaques and stuff. And then, like, some non-natives come in. And they, like are like you know they're there to gamble and stuff they come in they're like oh like this basket's real cute and they start picking it up and stuff and like 
uh, picking up historical like artifacts and they're just like, oh, this is really cute. Like how much? And then she was like, this is not a gift shop. This is, you know, like the cultural center. I think that even that was representation because like how many times do you really have to like <clears throat> tell some non-natives like, oh, you know, don't touch my beadwork and don't touch my hair and don't touch, you know, my regalia. We're just such like in a can like consumerism I'm like I don't want to get too political <laughs> but we're in such like a consumerism that people look at like all the media they've like kind of consumed has been like you know these things are objects for me here and I can buy them I can pick them up I can think they're cute and that's I think where we get the struggle of like native inspired instead of like versus like inspired natives you know so people are consuming a lot of media that is about natives but not written by natives and obviously like consumer is like getting it in a wrong way because then they think it's okay to like you know be disrespectful towards indigenous culture without even knowing that they're being disrespectful because they've been consuming like media and like like fashion and things like that in a way of like it was kind of put that to them as an object and like no cultural relevance no like really like any like ramifications of this is from real people you know, so I think that that's why we struggle now with like cultural appropriation and people like taking, you know, native artwork and native pattern work and being like, it's just real cute. <laughs> so we're just going to throw it on here, you know, because we've never had representation. We've never been the people in like the driver's seat. It's never been able to be a story by us, from us, for people. It's always been a story about us to other people who aren't us, you know? So I think that that is why representation matters. And that's like just a scene that really got me in Rutherford Falls because I was angry, but I was also laughing, you know? So, <laughs> and I think that that show does a real good job with that where it makes you angry, but it's also got you laughing. Yeah. So it's no. like, hey, don't get too mad there. We're gonna crack a couple jokes. <laughs> <laughs> the Native women who impacted your life from a very young age all the way up to now, do you think that that knowledge that you've gained from them has been passed on for generations? And if so, in what ways? Me working within like the area that I work with, my main goal is to work with Native youth. Um, I love working with Native youth. And I think that, because um, I've always done it in an educational setting of where I worked with, you know, the university and like helped like inspire you know young native youth to go to college or to seek like secondary kind of education and I think that in with the within those settings I think a lot of what I think about is um just the kindness that like my mom had taught me and then like also just um like a lot of faith as well um just because like how we had talked about creating like Creating like a safe space is really important, especially for Native youth. Um, I know I worked with a lot of kids who had came from like uh, different communities around. So like Coeur d'Alene, Warm Springs, Colville, um, you know, and they, they were looking to try to get like inspired to go to college or, you know, just wanted to come for a week and check out WSU, have fun, you know, <laughs> trying to like get away from home. <laughs> but uh even for them, like they all kind of come with different stories, you know, and they all kind of like are very guarded within the stories that they have. And I think that in every way, I feel like Native folks should be able to gatekeep their story however much they want to, you know, because we've seen what happens when we don't. And we've seen how people have like manipulated a narration about us. And we've seen like a lot of like wrongfulness that it does and how it's impacted you know various contemporary issues 
um, that are, you know, like risking lives of Native people, you know, so I understand like why a lot of students are a lot closed off. And I think that when they even just representation with that, you know, because I worked in a lot of summer camps. Um, and even when they had like Native counselors, because there's only like a couple of us, they just felt a lot more comfortable. And it makes sense because they know that we share a lot of different experiences. We share identities and they were a lot more open working um, with Native youth. A lot of things that I've kind of gotten from is listening to different various like Native women speak. And they talk about like extracting versus sharing because a lot of people do come into Native communities and they extract information from Native people and they use it for data or like, you know, research and stories and whatever they want to use it for. I don't think that we're really kind of given the time to have space to share rather than extract. It's more so like answer these research questions and then they're going to go and write an article of like, I met with all these Native Indigenous people and they That's thought like what? this, you know, and so rather than a we're going to create something and we're going to create something off of your story and you get to create it however you want you get to say whatever you would want to say you can be as open as you want you can be as closed off as you want but it's your story and you get to control it you know it's very different because we've been studied forever you know <laughs> so it's like um it's a different approach and you're not extracting things because when you come in with certain research questions and things like that you enact a lot more trauma to people and so you don't want to you know come and i've seen it a lot of times where people come into it they kind of raise up some trauma and then they leave you know because they got what they needed they got their stuff that they need for their article or whatever it may be or like having like native women within that space is vital i think that you don't really you shouldn't be doing it without other native people you know what i mean um because like I said, I think we can gatekeep as much as we would like. And I don't think that that's something that we ever heard before. Um, and I know when they're like telling you they'll give you a gift card and stuff, it's real easy to, <laughs> to take the interview. <laughs> you know, so it's like, they do, they come in, they try to compensate you, but it's like even the quality of like the stuff that you give them, it's like, I think that for me, Native women have always been the people to tell me, like, you don't need to, like, you don't have to bear trauma, even if they're asking you to. You don't need to tell them everything if you don't want to. You don't have to even do it, you know, whether they're compensating me or not. Because a lot of times it's like that information is used for what, you know, like really also looking at the project and what it is and it's just, it's hard because I remember even as a college student, you know, and having like the local newspaper come and like interview you, you think it was like a big deal because you want represent representation to be there. And I understand that aspect of it. But I think that one like lesson that I had learned sometimes is like, it's not always going to be correct representation, whether, and that's not based off my intentions at all as like the interviewee, it's based off the interviewer and like who is coming and extracting like this information from you. Like that's really who's creating the narrative, that's who's controlling the narrative. So I'm not even in control of what the narration is, I'm not in control of what the representation is. So I think that Native women are very, very vital in those spaces because they've most likely gone through that exact same thing 
um, they're able to kind of like give you like the space and the technique to be able to do what you want to do. It's also just like the reinforcement of something, you know, of like, cause we're always looking to like our mom and our aunties and like everybody for like advice about things. And I think that even just with that, like having native women in these spaces who have been in these spaces, they can just give us like, even if it's like advice or if even if it's just like a, hey, like, you know, I was in the same situation. I want to remind you to like, either, you know, be strong or like say what you want to say. Don't say what you think you need to say. Um, things like that. Don't even do it if you don't want to kind of thing, you know, but I'm like that $30 Amazon gift card is like, you're all nice. <laughs> so I think that that's why they're vital in those spaces, just because they're kind of a component of everything that we do. And I think going back again with like counseling and stuff, it's like, I think we embody like the native women that have kind of like shaped us when we're in those roles, just because then we're able to guide people, we're able to guide youth. And I think that we kind of turn into like our aunties and our moms with certain things we have to do, you know, or like being able to, you know, shape other young people and being able to be a guidance for them, a resource for them. Um, I think we turn into those people. And so again, going back to like the mosaic thing, like we do the things we do because of the people who are around us. And I think that that's really beautiful. Um, and I think that we get those best qualities from the women around us. Because those were our nurturers, those were our cave shakers. Sam, you have been an incredible guest today and we've run across so many amazing native women you have had in your life and have made you into the person that you are today. And um, now you're passing that knowledge down to the next generation. And we, we've seen the vital role that Native women play in our lives as protectors, leaders, and, and so on. And as we're wrapping up, I wanted to touch on what it means to be a Native woman. Uh, we talk about their strength and all the things they give to other people. But I feel like it's also important to talk about the things we give ourselves. Because we often want to care for for others so much and so often that it can be hard to take time to ourselves and that's something we should know that we deserve that same love we so often give to others and I wanted to know if that's something that you try to prioritize in your life it's if it's something that you've noticed and if so in what ways and just ask if you also had any other words you'd like to share um, with us as we close out this podcast and I also just wanted to thank you again so much for being here with us today uh, we appreciate your times and words. I think that we're just so used to seeing women uh, native women specifically well for, you know because I'm a native woman <laughs> um, in my life as being like these strong caretakers and stuff but like even me like seeing my mom cry you know seeing her break down and stuff I feel like it was it was never like a sight that I saw often but it was a real powerful sight that I saw you know because I think that now as I get older and I'd be breaking down <laughs> and I'd be crying <laughs> like we're always seen to be strong and resilient even just as a people but for women especially just because we're the caretakers of, you know, our people. Um, and I think that like some days it's okay to not be resilient. It's okay to not be, you know, completely strong or just even change what that means in your mind. Cause it doesn't always mean like getting everything done and doing everything and like taking care of everyone and making sure you're there for everybody. Because like, 
if your garden is not getting watered, you can't water everybody else, you know? So it's like, I think that changing the idea of what that means, what strong means, what resiliency means, um, and like why we have to be that specific way. I think that the great thing about life now, you know, is therapy, um, because we have a lot more access to it. And I, I just, and still not enough access. Mental health affects everybody. And I think that it's perfectly fine to have to like, you know, have days where you struggle and stuff. I don't think that that takes away from your strength or your resiliency or like even just like your beauty as a person. I think that we're gonna have bad days and that's just pretty evident. But I think that what's really beautiful about those days is how we take care of ourselves. Because we can't expect somebody else to come in and know like what we're going through in life and know like how we're feeling or what we need and how we need to be comforted, you know? And it's amazing to have people to comfort you. But I think that the most important person is ourselves to pick ourselves back up, you know? And in a kind way and for ourselves to show up like ourselves kindness and like forgiving as well. Because I think that a lot of things happen and I think that Native women, especially, because I, I think about my mom a lot, like she'll, she takes a lot of the guilt for other things she, that she had no role in at all, but she takes a lot of guilt because she's the mother, you know, because she's like the woman, because she's, you know, a Native woman. Like she takes a lot of guilt in that people like, I think will put that towards like creating resiliency and stuff and creating strength like oh she takes it like for her kids and stuff because she's strong you know so she'll take all that guilt she'll take all the blame but that's I don't think that that should be the representation of strength you can be there you can comfort people you can like help men people but you don't have to take blame you don't have to take the guilt onto yourself because I think the worst thing that's going to happen with that is that you yourself are going to blame yourself and you know we shouldn't be blaming ourselves for things that we haven't done we shouldn't be you know feeling guilty about things that we can't control and I think that that's a hard mindset to get into um because I still struggle a lot of the time to get into that mindset I think that that's a lot of like showing kindness to ourselves and we should be as kind and as forgiving to ourselves as we are to others because at the end of the day like we are the most important person for ourselves and if we're not doing good we cannot be good to others around us and if we are like if you're being kind and you're being everything towards other people and not to yourself you're not going to be taken care of you're putting yourself at a disadvantage mm. because if you're so good to other people you deserve to be good to yourself as well yeah.